You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. look at the list of movies to review and I think what am I going to choose I always go by the title sometimes I've never even seen a trailer but I saw the unbearable weight of massive talent and I thought to myself huh that sounds very much like the unbearable lightness of being the great uh, Pulitzer Prize winning novel by Milan Kundera which was also later adapted into an award-winning film by Philip Kaufman I thought this is clearly a smart intelligent film made for a guy like me and holy shit Nicholas Cage is in this. Nerd. <laughs> the movie yelled at him. What, he, <laughs> no, no, no. See, Nicholas Cage actually probably read those books. Probably. Too, he, he probably did. And, and, you know, relax. I know what you're thinking. Calm down. Don't go away. I guarantee you that is the most highbrow reference you're going to get this entire review. Uh, it's sort I'm not of sure old... about that. This is a serious movie for adults. Like... Oh, that's right. <laughs> it most is. serious movie for adults. You know, but with a hook to keep them in the end. Um... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we are, of course, talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent. And to help me discuss that, my name is Marco. Ben. spider Mike, Marcos. And yes, we are your unbearable critics this evening to discuss this new film from uh, writer and director Tom Gornikin. I confess I am not familiar with his work, but I am going to bypass that for now. Uh, I'll look it up later. That's the spirit. You're all here to talk. <laughs> Hold on. Let me stop while I do research on this. Uh, you- time for criticism. I don't know anything about him. Moving on. <laughs> look, man, I don't know anything about movies, but I know it when I like it. And you know what? I kind of like this. Nicholas Cage is playing Nick Cage, a pretty much spot-on version of himself. Sort of on the uh, skids of his career, he's not getting any good work. He's kind of getting burnt out on the whole movie industry, and he is up to his eyeballs in debt. Neil Patrick Harris, his long-suffering agent, says, look, you need to book a gig. You need to take something, and there is a million-dollar offer if you go to Mallorca, Spain, for one night to entertain some rich asshole at his birthday party because he's your world's biggest fan. This big fan happens to be Pedro Pascal, of all people, who is the world's biggest Nick Cage stan. And, well, hijinks ensue because it turns out Pedro Pascal's character... What's his name? Oh, his You're name? Looking <laughs> at uh, Javi. 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 
I should have known that. I have an uncle, Javi. Uh, <laughs> I do too, actually. <laughs> you know? Hey, I forgot. Uh, for me, he's always Pedro Pascal, and Nicolas Cage is always Nicolas Cage. And he's the Mandalorian. Because yeah. he's literally playing Nicolas Cage. That's but, true. But Pedro Pascal is important to remember he is not paying, playing Pedro Pascal. Although I do think Neil Patrick Harris is playing himself. Because uh, <laughs> that guy's always playing Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, I would if I could. So yeah, anyway, he... Nicholas Cage shows up in Spain and is confronted by CIA agents who say, hey, this guy Javi is not all he says he is. We believe he's kidnapped a young woman and is holding her ransom and you need to find her. She's somewhere on the compound. So make up some kind of excuse to stay there as long as you can. And wouldn't you know it, Javi, like every Nicholas Cage fan, has a screenplay that he wants to pitch. And from that point hijinks ensue all of the hijinks <laughs> lsd hijinks but you're the best kind really i gotta admit the the look on their faces while they're driving on lsd i'm like that looks spot on those guys have done this before. yes looks spot on they did not definitely nicholas cage did not definitely say i need to method act this <laughs> no no I, I think that's what they call in the biz ben a sense memory they were drawing from past experience because I'm like, and those dudes have been high before. Yeah, I I love this movie. Um, everything about this movie is so much goddamn fun. It's also way more tense than I expected, is the best way of putting it. Uh, which is, was, was a nice surprise, to be honest, because the trailer, I feel, sells a more wacky movie than what we actually end up getting. But the movie itself is very meta about that very fact, which is what I really, really adored about what this movie does with this premise. Nicolas Cage, basically playing Nicolas Cage, finds himself in a fucking Nicolas Cage movie, and he's not really sure how to handle it. Because as we find out, Nicolas Cage, or at least this version, uh, we find out he has uh, a wife, played by Sharon Horgan, uh, who's Olivia, she's a fictional ex-wife, and he also has a 16-year-old uh, daughter played by Lily Sheen. She's playing Addie Cage. Of course, this is all made up. Yeah, because his son is, doesn't exist in this, which is named after fucking Superbad, so that would have been, <laughs> been weird. <laughs> Kello Cage has been kidnapped. And be like, what? The only reason why Mike knows any celebrity's son is Kello. It's true, but I also know a lot of shit about Nick Cage because Nick Cage is a giant fucking nerd. He he really is, and here he's he's Nicky Cage, and the thing well, Nick about, and Nicky Cage. No, yeah. Well, I wasn't even sure if I was going to go too far. I'm not going to go that. further than that. But uh, I'm saying, let's yeah. just say that Nicholas Cage, as every man must at some point in his life, have an argument with himself. And moving on from that, this really is smart because they really have figured out like all of the complaints, all the weird media stories you've heard about Nicholas Cage are in this movie. And Nicolas Cage is a pretty good fucking sport about it. Yeah, he... I think he's owned for a while that he's kind of an eccentric. And, like, this movie's like, hey, Nick, can we play with it? He goes, yeah, it sounds like a fun time. And it kind of just owns it throughout because even when Pedro Pascal, like, catches him doing stuff weird, he's kind of like, well, it's just gonna be Nick Cage. He's just in his moment. He's so... He's so debonair and interesting. <laughs> and it's... And it's kind of charming, uh, as Chris was alluding to us earlier before the rest of the crew got here. He's like, no, all these stories are true. Pedro Pascal actually is a huge Nick Cage fan and it bled through and they're now like best friends. And it ble and it's so obvious in the performance. It's like, now these guys just had so much fun doing this. Like 
every moment that you're seeing them laughing and joking around feels so natural because it is. They're just like, this is the most fun we could possibly have. Uh, and like the plot actually kind of works. It's, it seems like it should be absurd, but it kind of works as a structure of a, you know, mid-level action movie type of thing. And there's a couple Chekhov's guns, including some actual Chekhov's guns <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> yeah, this movie is just fascinating the whole way through. Like, cause I looked up the director. Uh, he's only directed one other thing prior to this. And um, which is a movie called That Awkward Moment with he, Zac Efron and Michael B. Jordan, which I never heard about. Wrote, he also wrote some episodes of Ghosted, which was also terrible. Well, I wrote Ghosted, uh, yeah, it was weird. I watched it when it came out, and it was it, it could have been better. But, yeah, that's the thing. So, I, if I would have known that, I would have been very worried about this movie. <laughs> uh, but I was very pre- pleasantly surprised by everybody in this film. Tiffany Haddish is one of the CIA agents, and she's very pulled back than she's been in quite some time. Ike Barinholtz, who I'm a big fan of, I wish he was in more stuff, also plays the other CIA agent, who uh, I feel like didn't get a, as much screen time. He has some amazing hoping. lines. But yeah, he has some amazing lines. Oh, he has my one of my favorite lines in this movie. <laughs> one from, his, like, his in the first scene with him line? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it because it's so good. My defense, well, I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are going to get, this movie is going to give you a lot of references to other movies more than I thought. They they actually do uh, some deep dives into Nicolas Cage's career. We get treated to a lot of clips. People quote lines to him. People like movies that I don't think other people in real life actually like. And yet everyone's like, oh, I remember when you were in Guarding Test. Nobody ever references Guarding Test, do they? (laughs) (laughs) But they are there. And anytime you parody something, it's really easy to make fun of something. In this case, the movie is kind of making fun of Nicolas Cage. But I've always said the best parodies are always done with love. I don't care if it's Galaxy Quest or, you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Parodies that are made with love are always better because only someone who really, really knows that material can truly make fun of it and find all those fresh angles on it. What I liked about the fact that, yeah, it is in fact, it is making fun of Cage, but it's so made with love that they don't bring up all of the insane shit that he's ever done. (laughs) Uh, Though it easily could. Uh, One of the ones Marcos brought up on our way out of the theater. <laughs> Which one was it? The tomb thing or whatever? Oh, that he has a tomb in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. he has a, t- a pyramid tomb is what you told me. Yeah. In New Orleans. He owned a, t- a T-Rex head at one yeah, point. Yeah, they don't pull, bring up that that's basically why he's bankrupt is he bought that T-Rex head that I think it was stolen. It was stolen and so from he got, one point. So he got it taken from him and had no money for it. No, he was, it, no it wasn't taken from him. It was stolen before he bought it. I'm saying, so he, got so it, he had to give it back to the government. Yeah, but he didn't get to keep, but he didn't get his money back. So no. basically, yeah, he lost millions of dollars for he T-Rex He did the right head. thing, though. I mean, yeah. let's... <laughs> Let's not pretend that there weren't other things. I mean, this isn't is a the, man who bought like, multiple castles and true. never lived in them. I was about to say, like, didn't he buy Superman number one or something? Yes, like he that? did, and that was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff gets stolen all the time. Which but... they do make jokes at that. There's a moment where he sees something, and it's he's like, "This is horrifying." I'll give you twenty thousand dollars. It's great. Yeah, it's in the trailer. If anybody's a greatest, so it's not really a spoiler. That's but why I decided to go with that one. So many things going on in this movie about Nick that involves Nick Cage that I I loved so much because it's so it's so about him, but at the same time, this fictional version of him. There's something there's there's something clearly emotionally wrong with him, uh, like from the from the get go, and it's fascinating to see him come to terms with the version that he is in this movie, and how Javi brings out something in him that he didn't know he had anymore, as well as vice versa. 
which I found so goddamn charming the whole way through. Yeah. Well, usually in a lot of these comedy movies, you see the, because the plot thread is like, oh no, dad works too much kind of thing. And usually in these movies, that plot thread just kind of gets thrown away once the fun happens, but they actually do come full circle to that, to have like an overall theme of balance to this movie. And there's such a fun to the fact that like the first scene where they bond is Javi, despite being like clearly the most like social anxiety guy that you could imagine like this rich guy, this big party could be trying his hardest to force Nicolas Cage out of a funk to improv with him. And it's, and it's just like, Nick Cage is like, really? This, this is what you're doing? This is the best you've got? He's like, come on, the general, he's coming. <laughs> it's like, and it's just like, it's like, okay, clearly you're not the actor, but good for you, you know, Javi, good for you. And it's, and it's so charming seeing Nick Cage, like, he takes a moment and like, his brain just goes like, this is what I must do. And they just like live in the moment. It's like, Yep, no, that's that's a beautiful, like, transition for these characters. And just, it, it kind of plays constantly through that. We're like, you know, you keep seeing these re- things where you feel like they should be against each other, including the stuff Nick Cage is being told by the CIA. And it's just like, no, it just, they keep finding they click perfectly. And it's kind of beautiful because it always feels natural every time it happens between them. I mean... The scene where they're nerding out about movies, I was like, yep, I've done that one, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's how most of us have all talked at some point. We've all had that conversation about why Face Off is a fantastic movie. And that is one of the cruxes of the story, because the more he has to work with the CIA to get the goods on Avi, the more he can't help but like the dude. He totally shows up thinking this is just some rich dick who's going to, like, give me a million bucks to bore him with some fucking anecdotes, and then I'm out of here. But he can't help but be charmed by the guy. And really, Pedro Pascal is the secret weapon of this movie. I mean, I don't... Obviously, you need Nicolas Cage. Without Nicolas Cage, there is no movie. But they could have easily gotten someone less high-profile than Pedro Pascal is, who arguably has got a higher profile right now than Nicolas Cage does, but he's Take so... Back. You didn't see Next? <laughs> <laughs> no, that hair. Honestly, this movie would lose about three points if anyone other than Pedro was in this movie. He that's true. totally... That's a, that's a dude right now who's easily able to get star roles, and he totally signs up to play the number two to Nicolas Cage, a guy who's kind of like so in love with this dude that he's just dorky. And it's fantastic because those two guys, as Ben said, are having so much fun playing both against type and playing to their type. I don't want to, like, spoil any of this movie because I I really feel like you guys should watch this movie without looking too much into the actual plot. Um, I can only really say the best way of describing it is if you've ever seen My Name is Bruce, which is uh, Bruce Campbell's movie where he is um, tasked with fighting monsters because the town thinks Bruce Campbell actually fights monsters. <laughs> Which is has one of my favorite jokes in that movie where he has a chainsaw and he's like, I've I've modded it so you can carry it with one hand. He's like he's like, These are this is beautiful, but you know, at the end of the day it's just too goddamn heavy. <laughs> so he just leaves it there. <laughs> and this movie very much has that kind of sense to it where it's like, hey Cage, like you can do this thing and he's just like I'm a fucking actor. <laughs> but you were great at that, but my st- that my stuntman did that. It's like, not according to the DVD commentary. It's like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I love, I love stupid shit like that, of the idea of, like, I love the idea of, it's not, because it's not even, it's not an everyman being thrown into extraordinary circumstances. It's the fucking, like, 
a big, huge star being thrown into extraordinary circumstances against his will. And I love stupid shit like that. <laughs> and I, I like that he's thrown into these circumstances also for a heartfelt reason. It's not like they play to his ego. It's, hey, this is something that could be happening to your kid. It'll be personal there. And he's like, and he was like, he actually steps up for a good reason, which is also a nice way to play that character. It's like, no, he is a self-centered person, but it's also... He does actually care about his family. He's just as horrible at doing that. <laughs> that That's the only, like, weird thing that I feel about this movie. It's like, is this movie really that good? Or is it was it just made for me? <laughs> because I, on one hand, both get all the Nicolas Cage references. And on the other hand, I'm dumb enough to argue about, like, no, in the behind-the-scenes feature, that's why you should do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's happening for at least three, if not all four of us, then maybe it's not just you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, true. it is very meta. I mean, at one point, they go, well, let's discuss this. Again, he has to keep pretending, like, humoring the guy, you know, with this story conference. And it turns out that Nicolas Cage, who, as we see at this point in his career, is kind of, like, running out of inspiration and wants to quit... And he genuinely gets excited uh, talking about this script with Javi and to the point where they're like, well, let's go and talk and discuss the third act. Uh, and you, at that point, you know, well, we're entering the third act of the movie because it's that kind of meta movie. I I just cannot express how much fun it is, though. If I have any one slight criticism, it's that it does eventually devolve into the type of mediocre Nicolas Cage movie that we've come to expect, and I haven't figured out for myself whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think because they legitimately call out in the movie itself about how unrealistic and unlikable that would be, and then still do it in the movie themselves, actually is brilliant, and then they still make fun of it again at the end of the movie in a way that I will not spoil because it is actually really good, and that's one thing I do want to add is like that that ending you know thing I'm talking about like is one of many really great transitions this movie does of it just flips the camera w- with you and all of a sudden you're in something completely different and they do that many times where some movies will do that and it's distracting and they do it just enough here where it's like that's just fun I'm in a new scene suddenly this is great well the third act is so meta about stuff and it plays actually the whole movie just sort of plays with your expectations a lot of the times because you expect certain things to go down in different ways because of movies that exists that have that sort of meta that still do that, like the last action hero kind of thing. But it knows what it is and it knows that you're expecting something and then it it curves a few times here and there. And I really appreciate it about it. But yeah, I, I do have I do have small issue with the fact that yeah, it does devolve into <laughs> the fact that it even if it does make fun of it, it does evolve in into that story plot. Um, yeah, I, I actually legit feel like that part, third act wasn't for us in a kind of a weird way. Like, that is legit for the average kind of movie grower that is like, I, I want to see an explosion or two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But not for you folks listening. You all are smart cinephiles. You know, you've never, you know, sat and watched like Bangkok Dangerous more than two or three times by yourself. I my list for tonight, what? Uh, you know. Ghost Rider, right? <laughs> uh, speaking of watching bad movies and crying uh, ourselves to sleep, uh, Nicolas Cage uh, definitely gets into that funk at this, some point in this movie, but he emerges from it a better person, and perhaps, maybe, somebody will start sending Nicolas Cage some better scripts, because this is a really good one. Before I go into any other things, though, I, I just want to start leading us into our final thoughts, because I don't want to spoil anything more. Uh, ben, Kick us off, please. Sure. I think we've all kind of been glowing about this movie. I mean, 
Look, there's certainly some of that weirdness in the third act, but I feel like they're just so meta about it and calling themselves out on it. I can't even fault them for that. It's not even like a badly done action movie. It still gets to the, like the right amount of goofiness with that, with like only Nicolas Cage could be doing this stupidity and we'd still be like, hey, that, that makes sense for you. And honestly, the the great scene where like he's the hero and it's like him in a final standoff is so good actually where it's just like no this is kind of exactly what i feel like you would have to try to do is the only thing you could think of it's kind of like that throughout the whole movie where it's like maybe somebody else could have done this that's not nicholas cage but he is so committed to the jokes at himself that him off of pedro pascal just it's constantly great and there's little things i would have liked to see more of but they don't feel like they linger overly long in this movie so i'm gonna have to give it Eight and a half out of ten Nick Cage smooches. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> yes, so I I really like this movie a lot. I think it's one of Nick Cage's best films in quite some time. And I don't mean that against, you know, some of his most recent films. Because I haven't seen all of his most recent films. You didn't like Jiu-Jitsu? He's made quite <laughs> a few. I, I liked Willy's Wonderland a lot. Um, no, yeah, so what I it is... that movie. <laughs> A lot of people did. But, uh, yeah, I really like... I like Nicolas Cage a lot, and I'm so glad he was able to have a movie where he got to make fun of himself in a loving way, in a way that, like, is is still a, um, a celebration of him as an actor, as well as Pedro Pascal just being fucking adorable as hell <laughs> the whole time. Uh, the cinematography was really good for a lot of sequences, all of the sequences, even the... There's some chase scene stuff that I thought was really well shot. Um, even the action stuff here and there was... I thought was decently shot uh but it's not like exactly like an action film so i'm not too worried about that with the there isn't really anything music wise that's to write home about i feel soundtrack wise so don't expect anything like super huge but there's so many great references there's so many great little moments with each actor whether it's uh with his fake wife um his fake daughter and by that i mean like the you know his fake daughter or his fake fake daughter his fake his fake daughter but not his well you know what i mean (laughs) the real fake daughter how Uh, far does this hall of mirrors go (laughs) there's quite a few mirrors in this sector i kind of wish there was a few more Nicolas cage references but i feel like they probably couldn't purely because of rights issues i feel like at the end of the day but you know they got away with as much as they could probably with the budget they had i personally would have to give this uh i have 8.5 out of 10 Nicholas Cage cushions that do that thing where you you move it back and forth to change the face. <laughs> Are they reversible? Is that what they call yeah, them? Yeah, I uh, forgot what it's called, it's, though. It's a sequin, it's a reversible sequin, 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 reversible pillow. sequin yeah. pillow. I want one of those. I know what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> Give me a couple with Mike's face. <laughs> one side no, no, is Mike, the know. other side is Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm cool with this. Let's do this. Marcos? Um, so... I would I kind of want to see a trilogy of this going just because this movie almost seems like a the exact same thing that JCVD is just done mm. a, a lot better just in the sense that it's funnier because JCVD doesn't have Pedro in it. Pedro is the most charming I've probably ever seen him in anything and it's not because he's a bad actor. He's just that good in this movie. If you're a Nick Cage fan, I highly recommend it and then if you're not, it's still not a bad movie. It's just like there's there's candy in this for you if you're a Nick Cage fan. Um, so what I would rate this movie is I would put the bunny down eight out of ten times for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I do not share the Internet's love for Nick Cage. 
I don't care how many memes they make out of the guy. I don't care how many unlicensed novelty products you can buy at an Etsy store with his face on it. The fact of the matter is, he has lent his talent to a lot of mediocre films, and even in the better ones, I sometimes find his performances, committed though they may be, so off the wall that it often pulls me out of the picture. So I, I always have a very mixed feeling about the guy, but there's no denying that when he has a good script with the right film, the right director, he's fantastic. He himself has said that he thinks he's doing better work, and I think that's probably because maybe he's finally paid off Uncle Sam, and maybe he can be a little <laughs> more selective. God, I hope so. Well, he also said he he's not ashamed of any bad movie he did because he committed to it, and God help him, he did it, commit to every one of those fucking movies. Oh, 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 they did, or as my friends and I used to say whenever we saw someone making some terrible acting decisions, well, it was a strong choice. He makes strong choices, and they're not always good choices. You didn't like Superman's cat? <laughs> I did not see that. Although he, I was sitting there through like a, a color out of space thinking this is one of the best Lovecraft adaptations I have ever seen. Oh my God. All of these people are being driven mad through eldritch horror. Why is somehow Nicolas Cage ruining this movie for me? Everyone else is going crazy. Donald Trump. Why is his crazy worse? Partly because of the bad Donald Trump impersonation, which... Yeah, you, know, you needed a director to sit him down and go, dude, you're better than this. And I don't know what happened on this film. I think maybe it's a combination of the script, the director. I think it's also just because it's so full of love in that script. If if Nicolas Cage, you know, agreed to do this movie and felt like he was being insulted, but he had to do it for one reason or another, I don't think we'd get a good performance. Here he's playing multiple versions of himself having a blast while always poking fun of himself, always in on the joke. And it's really one of the smartest, most heartfelt things I've seen the guy in, in a long time. And I think I can literally say this. It's the role he was born to play. <laughs> I am going to give this eight and a half out of 10. Damn it. You guys took the things I was going to say. <laughs> I will give it eight and a half out of 10 gold plated pistols. That's pretty good. That's good. But uh, yeah, I love I love the fact that Nick Cage is so fucking internet memed to hell that his subreddit is called the One True God, <laughs> and he himself they they did this video where he was like answering stuff on subreddits or and stuff, and they're like they're like do you know the name of that subreddit? He's like I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like I know you want me to say it, but I don't believe that about myself. And now this can be replaced by the two true gods, him and Pedro Pascal. Also, it turns out the abs and Ghost Rider were real, according to him. Well, you know, <laughs> when you got the money, you can buy anything. 